Hi, this is Ron Darling. Uh, this is Skip Lockwood. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Welcome to another edition of Mets Musings number 450. And we thought we'd take that nice round number and have a round table. Actually, this has been like a month in the making, uh, schedules being what they were. It was no show last week, thanks to uh, Hurricane Henry. And to be honest, nothing really new to report. This team has collapsed completely, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and now it, it appears that the organization is completely collapsing around Mr. Steve Cohen. Uh, he's got some work to do, but let's get to our roundtable, our guests this week. And they are, as usual, Mr. Barry Newman. Barry, uh, hello. Welcome to the roundtable. Thank you, Gary. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back. To and see we'll we have so little to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> and also joining us this week are the boys from Baseball MBBQ, Jeff Cohen and Leonard Aberman. Gentlemen, welcome back to Mets Musings in the Roundtable. Thank it's you, Gary. Pleasure. Oh, Thank pleasure. you, Gary. Thank you, Barry. Good to see well, you guys again. And it certainly is. And gentlemen, we have a complete collapse here. It, it's it's not even a laughing matter, really. I mean, we are watching a total collapse. We've we've seen the team collapse. Um, we've now we're seeing an organization collapse. There are uh, rumors that the locker room is split, and uh, now we see a split with the fans. So let's get right to the elephant in the room and ask the question. Does a fan have a right to boo when they pay money for a ticket? And I'll open it up to anybody who wants to jump in and start the discussion. <laughs> Nobody? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll start. You know, I don't generally boo a, a player if they give good effort. But if they're not giving effort, I, I, you know, then you have every right to boo. I mean, we know we've seen, you know, Robinson Cano just dog it out of the, the box. But I will say, I went to the game last Wednesday night against the Giants where, where Baez was on second base, no outs. It was first and second, no outs. And VR hits a ball to center field. And I, I, see, VR, I see Baez going around third base. Ball was caught. He did not even know where the, where the, with the outfields were positioned, you know the ball was caught. I mean, it's, it's fundamental baseball, and you know that should be booed because he just had no idea what was going on. But then again, if if they're given good effort, then you know what you shouldn't, shouldn't boo them. But that's how I feel. Go ahead, Barry. Okay, I was kind of hoping 
to go last because I have a oh. lot to say. So, okay. Len, be, 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 unless you want to go ahead and meet, I will patient. go then. I was okay. trying to listen, Gary, when you said when you said anybody, I was just trying to be polite. And, you know, I, I've given this a lot of thought because I, I knew having this roundtable was going to be the ultimate bitch session. And uh, <laughs> I mean, how could it not? Yesterday was the last straw. But I, I do not boo. Um, I really don't. I don't I don't want to waste the effort. Um, but I think you if you you buy your ticket and it you are allowed to voice your displeasure with the team as long as you're not. I think a boo is not anything that's um, you're not being racial. You're not being uh, you're not saying anything. You're you're voicing your displeasure. And I'm so sorry that the players don't like it. Um of course, we wouldn't want to be booted our job either. And I think that when they're showing effort, there's no reason to boo. But when, as Jeff was just uh, alluding to, when when they are not playing this game of baseball the right way, there has to be a voice from the fans. Maybe, maybe that voice is just don't go to the game. They don't want to hear boos. You know what? Play to the empty stadium last year. COVID, they didn't hear booze. Okay. Although they could have piped in some of that too. <laughs> Fan noise could have been booze the way they played last year. <laughs> but you know what? Then just play to an empty stadium because the fans have a right to view to to voice their displeasure. And this team is just is just playing terribly. And then for for somebody to to come in. He, he's been here, he, you know, for a short amount of time, gets hurt right away. And then he talks about why he's giving a thumbs down sign. This team is insane. But see, that's why I wanted to just <laughs> that's why I was trying not because once I get started now, I'm like a runaway train. So, Barry, take it well, away. I'm, I'm going to take that train. And like Uncle Stevie said earlier <laughs> in, his, uh, in his tweet, it may end up going on to the third rail. But as far as booing, I agree and I also disagree a little bit because of course, if you don't see effort, you're gonna boo. Now, who's to say when a player is giving it, sometimes it's obvious like if they don't run at a simple ground ball to first base, of course you can boo. But I think if a player is underperforming, the fans have a right to boo. And clearly, Francisco Lindor who basically everybody wanted signed before the season started pretty much. Otherwise, the excuse would have been, well, he's worried about the contract. That's why he's playing so poorly. Well, the Mets did sign him. They basically had to after giving away so much talent in, in return. And I'm sure you guys have seen the numbers that Ahmed Rosario is putting up for the future Cleveland Guardians. As far as the booing itself, I really have no problem with players being booed. It's different in New York. Just about every athlete at some point in their career have been booed. And I'll take you guys back. We, we've seen, and I, I believe Mike Piazza alluded to this on a different podcast earlier in the day, even though the only podcast he should be listening to 
as should anybody be listening to, are yours, Gary, and of course, baseball and barbecue. But Piazza apparently was on another one. And he, like I said, alluded to a game, which I was actually at, at the beginning of his Mets tenure, in 1998 against the Rays, or they might have been the, still the Devil Rays then, when he hit into a double play and struck out in a big spot. This was a couple of weeks into his tenure with the Mets. Well, Piazza ended up batting 348 as a Met that season with 23 home runs, 76 runs batted in, and under 400 at-bats. So what Piazza did is what Lindor has got to do to turn this thing around. And it's just play better. And when you take on the fans, you're going to lose. The fans are batting a 1,000, and they always will. And as far as the booing, not only was Piazza booed, and Gary, I'm sure you'll remember this, the year after the Mets won the World Series, they were in a, a dogfight with the Pirates and Cubs. They had a big series in September against the Pirates. First game of a Sunday doubleheader, the Mets won on a, like a two-hitter or something like that by Jerry Kuzman. In the second game, they lost. The starting pitcher got bombed, and he was booed off the mound. He had a terrible September. I think his record for the last five games in September of 1970 was 0-2. His ERA was over 5. And his statement was after the game, after being asked about the booing was, the way I pitched, I'd have booed me too. The player's name was Tom Seaver. So if, if you can boo Tom Seaver and Mike Piazza, you can boo anybody. Well, and, and uh, you know, the, the same uh, Derek Jeter made a similar com- comment as, as well. And we're not big Derek Jeter fans, but let's be honest, the guy's going into the Hall of Fame and he's been booed as well. So if, if Derek Jeter... And, uh, uh, you know, Mike Piazza and Tom Siva can be booed. Certainly a little Francisco Flindor can be booed uh, as well. And if you don't take, you know, if you can't take it, then you go to the to the Players Association and you go to your agent, you go to Mr. Steve Cohen and you say, I want to void my contract. I can't play here. But we won't see that happen, will we? No, of course not. Uh, you know, and then they get his little playmate, Javi Baez here, who I do not like at all. I was against. I didn't like the trade from the beginning. They should have got Chris Bryant. He was the fifth year. Javi, Bryant, uh, Javi Baez had no fit here, really, other than the fact that Lindor wanted him and they wanted to make Lindor happy. And and I've ranted about this before on previous editions, so uh, I'm not going to go back to that. But, uh, you know, bias, I keep hearing this argument that well, he won a gold glove. He's a gold glove uh, shortstop. He won in 2020. It was a 60 game season. There were a lot of guys that could play good for 60 games. And 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 that's it. Win a golden glove. He won it once, twenty twenty. He he's he's a, a hothead. He's always been a hothead. He's a hot dog. And and as one in an article that Jeff brought to our attention, and a number of scouts have said he's got the worst baseball IQ in the game. So what does he do? He hits home runs. So that's why that's why. Alderson loves him because Alderson's in love with power. 
That's all he's but power, power, power pitching, power hitting. And look what it's gotten us. It's gotten us nowhere. It's you know, he got lucky in 2015 and and he rode that to the World Series, but but think about it. You had Daniel Murphy, who was a contact hitter. Do we have a Daniel Murphy on this team at all? Do we have a contact hitter? No. No, Nimmo, but. He, Nimmo, yeah, but yeah. He, he's your leadoff guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I know what you mean. He, 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 you know, you need a guy to hit fifth to sixth that's a contact yep. hitter. Mm-hmm. We've got too many power hitters or wannabe power hitters. And I'll tell you what's really the, the problem with this team. And, you know, the other day, it's a funny thing, because with all of these different things coming out, the other day I had this idea in my head. Boy, if I was the, the owner of this team, the first thing I would do is I would go in there and I would tell everybody we're stripping this team down to the foundation. We're stripping this organization down. We're, or everybody's fired. The minor league got all managers, coaches are fired. The, the, the major league coaches, they're all gone. Maybe I'll keep Ricky bonus for the bullpen. He's he's not, you know, he's not part of this mess, really. Um, but I want to take this team and, and Steve Cohen, if you ever listen to the show, here's my piece of advice. You take this team back to 1965 or 1968 or 1972. And it starts in the first day of spring training and you don't let them in a batting cage until they do a day or two of bunting practice. And they, you bring back sliding pits and teach these morons how to slide and you get, I would get the little league handbook. Little league has a book, something, how to play the game. And I would take these guys by their hand individually and walk them down and say, this is first base. This is second base. This is third base. And you run from one to the other. And you start at the most basic fundamentals that there is. This is a ball. This is a bat. This is a glove. You catch with the ball with this. And you know what? If they don't like it, tough. Because that's what this team needs. They need to be embarrassed back. And another thing I would do is... The analytics department that he just enlarged, I'd fire everybody because they're too screwed up with these analytics and worrying about launch angle instead of seeing the ball and hitting the ball. Look, this is it's a tough game, but it's not that, you know, uh, uh, difficult. It's tough to play, but it's not that confusing a game. You see the ball, you hit the ball, you run to a base. That's the basic. They have made it so confusing because you got a bunch of computer nerds that can't get a job in the outside world somewhere. So they get into baseball and they screwed it up, screwed up the entire game of baseball. And now these guys, they don't know how to slide. You watch Javi Baez. He don't know how to run the bases. He, He never turned around to look to see where the fielders were. I was slow as shit on the base pass. I was always looking around to see where the guys were. I needed that edge when I was playing. This guy got all of his talent, and, and that's what bugs me. He's blessed with talent, and, and, and they squandered away because they want to be cool. You know what pissed me off so much yesterday? 
I he, he hit that two run homer. I should have been happy that he hit that home run. And you know what? I was so freaking annoyed. I what did I tell you, Jeff? I, I texted you and I said, why did it have to be him? Mm-hmm. Because that's stupid standing there looking at it and that bat flip. This is a guy that struck out five times in a game. He doesn't earn the right to do that. And if the manager doesn't going to get on his ass about it, then the owner should get on Alderson's ass and he should get on the players and tell him if you guys celebrate after going eight and 19 in the month of August, you're going straight to, to freaking Syracuse or you're going to the bench and your ass is going to get splinters because that's what you deserve to get. Because you guys have not earned the right to stare at that ball going out. It's like Ralph Kiner said one time, guy hit a sacrifice fly and they're, they're high-fiving him and they're all doing it. Woo, 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 woo. And, and he says, what is it? Celebrating. He did his job. You do your job. No celebrations on my team. And you know what else I would do? I'd bring in a grooming code, too. Let's go all the way. You got to have short hair, crew cuts on everybody. Let's make you look professional. You play professional. This this is ridiculous. You got to treat these kids or these adults like babies. And maybe, maybe they'll learn something. I mean, I never saw it, you know, this slide and how many guys and I, I know I'm taking a lot and I'll get off my soapbox in a few minutes. But how many guys have you seen get called out at second base or home plate because their leg is in the air here? Their lead leg. The idea of a slide is to get to the base quick with your legs, your lead leg. No, this is flopping in the wind so they can do that nifty little pop up slide and be ready to run to the next base. Well, what happens if they hit the pop-up slide? Sometimes they come off the base. They get tagged out. Nice going, moron. Or they get tagged in the right leg that's flopping in the air like a one-winged bird, and the other one is two feet away from second base or home plate, and they get tagged out. Nice going, moron. Where are the, the coaches? That article that, that I read today that Jeff, you sent us, I was shocked that they don't do they don't run the bases anymore. They don't do outfield practice. They don't do infield practice. What do they do? Do they sit? They don't sign autographs or before the game. Do they sit and play crossword puzzles or, or uh, uh, some other video game in, in the clubhouse? It is it is pathetic. And and this team is the I know it's throughout baseball, but this team is the epitome. Look, the Atlanta Braves lose Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the top players in the game, and they rebuilt their team with three or four deals and are now in first place. What do we get? We get Rich Hill, 41 years old, Javi Baez, 210, and and Trevor, I need a haircut badly, Williams. And then what do we do? We send Williams down to the miners. What is going on here? With this, this, Steve Cohen, you need to blow it all up. You need to blow up the whole fire Alderson first day. Don't even wait till the end of the season. Do it now. 
Get rid of Alderson. Get rid of Rojas. Rojas is there scratching his face and giving signals. And are you watching the freaking game? That's another thing I would do. I said I'd get rid of the analytics. I get rid of the video. No video during a game or in the clubhouse. You can watch it before. You can watch it after. You, your eyeballs are on the game. Watch the game. Pay attention. Maybe you learn something from a team like the Dodgers or the Giants. Now we know why they don't learn anything because nobody's sitting on the bench. They're all roaming around or they're down in the corner kibitzing over there talking, uh, uh, you know, having a coffee clutch while the game's going on. Instead of watching the game, pitches, pitches, you're going to chart the game. You're starting the next game. You're going to physically chart it like they used to do in the 80s and the 70s. So you've got to pay attention to that game instead of styling your hair or styling your walk, figuring out, well, give me my horse. Let me ride my horse. I just hit a home run. Gary, uh, that's another thing. Get rid of it. Get blow up the whole thing. And now I'll turn it over back to you guys. <laughs> Gary, how do you real feel? Gary, <laughs> <laughs> let, let me just say this. And uh, you, you know what? I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, it, it's really time to clean house from top to bottom. I, you got to change the culture. I was, I, I, I'm with, you know, I was going back and forth on this, but really all baseball reparations, the Mets have been a joke for a long time. You know, if it's not this, it's the rat raccoon thing. It's the horse uh, thing in the middle of the season. It's uh, with Donnie Stevenson. That's that stupid thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, a culture. And, and, you know, as for Rojas, and like I said, I've been going back and forth on this. He's not a bad manager. He's a great pedigree. But he's not holding his team accountable for play. I know he can't run, he can't pitch, he can't hit for these guys. But some of the pitching moves I understand, even though I disagree with some. I mean, especially when he took walk after after 74 pitches because they were the first and second, nobody out. He had to bring in his, his best lefty to face Brandon Crawford. I get that, but I mean it was an error and a bloop that should have been caught. I mean, you know, it, it, it wasn't like he walked them on, on, on any pitches. I mean, it was a, a bloop and, and an error. And it wasn't on him, and you should have left him in, but they took him out. I get it. It's the non-physical mistakes that he's not holding the team account- accountable for. VR, VR, who who hit yesterday, I think it was Saturday. Uh, it was Sunday. He hit a, a double and a triple, and he was actually at home plate watching it. I mean, he almost got thrown out both times. I mean, run! And he thought, he thought it was a home run. And look, it just missed being a home run, but it wasn't. Run mm-hmm. until you told it's a home run. Well, but. look at Lindor the other day with the the uh, the bunt. Uh, I think it was yesterday. The bunt, and he had the guy dead at right at second. He took his foot off the base. But that, was a, that was a physical mis- that was a physical mistake. And you know what? I, I can see that. That's a physical mistake. No, but uh, I disagree because that is the type of thing that you let get away at showboating. He's trying to showboat how how smooth he is. Get the ball, have your foot on the base. Gil Hodges would have walked out the shortstop and pulled them out of the game. And that's what Rojas should have done and said, there's too many of these mistakes. See, the problem is, yes, it's a physical mistake, but it, it happens too often on this team. And that's why the fans are booing. That's what they don't understand, that that's why. 
and it's the same people. It's not, you know, yeah. if he was hitting 330, then you could say, okay, it was it was a mistake, right? But you compound it with the fact that he's hitting what 224 and he got this big buildup of how great and wonderful he is. And 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 look, he didn't have to sign a contract. He signed a 10-year contract. And I, it, it's something I believe that he's gonna he's gonna uh, regret. Because if he doesn't live up to this in in at least hit 280 or something, this booing is not going to stop. No, but he'll be very rich about it. He'll be very rich a man, though. Yeah, he'll be very <laughs> rich about it. But, you know, uh, who wants to go to work every day like that? Yeah. But let me take your other gentlemen's opinions. I've had the soapbox for quite <laughs> some time. Harry, would you like to go? Sure. Okay. Gary, I have to agree with most of what you said. And based on your little tiring there, it sounds like in many you want the Mets to become the Yankees. And we can make fun of them, although there's very little to make fun of. I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs, at least in the wild card game this year. And they haven't had a losing season, I think, since the early 90s, even if they haven't won the World Series in over a decade. And there is a certain degree of professionalism that the Yankees have that the Mets don't. I absolutely, I, I think it's great that you mentioned about the grooming because, because it is unprofessional and it looks like they just don't really care when they present themselves that way. As far as blowing it up, I'm going to give Uncle Stevie a little bit of a pass. It's his first year as the owner and maybe this is the year that he just evaluates the team and the entire organization, and then after this season, which is going to end up almost certainly being a train wreck, that's when he'll take action and pretty much blow everything up. As far as the analytics, I'm going to say if there's an overemphasis on it, but there is still a place for it. The game you went to, Jeff, which got really ugly when Rojas pulled Walker out of the game at 74 pitches when he was cruising, was ridiculous, but you guys know it was predetermined based on the analytics. And there is a place for you having to watch the game with your eyes, but I wouldn't dismiss it entirely. Certain teams, the Rays in particular, use analytics very well. It got them to the sixth game of the World Series, but then even they had the analytics blow up in their face in, the, in that games. So I still maintain that there is a place for it if used in conjunction with actually watching the game. And we all know that Rojas is making these decisions in concert with the GM and anyone who else is involved, whether it's people in the analytics department. As far as the rest of the organization, I, I, I've got no problem with blowing up certain components of it. We look at, and Gary, I know you follow the minor league it's a lot closer than I do. Just about all their minor league teams have losing records this year. And whatever prospects that have been touted in the organization, most of them have been traded away. The biggest problem, and I will admit that I was 100% wrong on this at the time they did make the trade for bias, because at the time, Lindor was hurt. They didn't have a shortstop. But they had a glut of players who could play third base. So at the time, I thought that Baez was a better fit 
than Brian. And we don't really know how the plays the Giants gave up to get Chris Bryant or any other potential trades the Mets had. And maybe this was the best the, the Mets could do. I know at the time the fans were screaming that if they did nothing, that would have been much, much worse. Well, they did something. Unfortunately, they got the wrong guy. Now that we've seen bias on a daily basis and see what kind of player he is, the way he strikes out and has non-competitive at-bats, things that we really wouldn't have known about unless we had seen him on a daily basis. Of course, the Mets got the wrong guy. We know that now. Down the road, um, hopefully, things will will change as far as blowing it up. And, and you're right, Gary, the approach is, is terrible. But like you said, it is a byproduct of, of Major League Baseball. I don't remember the last time I saw a position player drop down a drop down a bunt and, and, and help his team. Well, like Jeff often says, get him on, get him over, and get him in. That, that part of baseball is gone, and it's a shame, and it's pretty much every team that we watch the Giants over the past two weeks, and you look at the Giants on paper, and then you put the Mets on paper position by position. The Mets are every bit as good as the Giants on paper, but watching them on the field, you can see why the Giants – and it's stunning they have the record they do, but you can see how well they play fundamental baseball. And I still maintain their manager is terrible and they're winning in spite of him, but they play the game the right way. So reluctantly, you have to give some credit to Gabe Kapler for that. The Giants play the game the right way. The Mets don't. And hopefully Uncle Stevie will pick apart certain Parts of the organization, the scouting is terrible. The Alderson, I agree with you. And I was surprised, Gary, when he was hired at the outset that you were more critical of the hiring, but you really weren't. But, and you've said this many a time while he was GM that the game has passed him by. Well, we, we, we can see that now. And uh, we know Rojas is a dead man walking as far as manager. This, I would say, on a percentage chance of him being back, I'd say unless they make a miracle run, which isn't going to happen because if Atlanta plays 500 ball the rest of the way, the Mets would have to go something like 23 and 9 just to tie them. And without Jade, that's not happening. So uh, I would give Rojas maybe a 5% chance of coming back as manager and let, unless the Mets make albeit very unlikely they make a miracle turnaround. Let me, I, I, I do agree with you. When Alderson, when they did hire Alderson, I thought it was a decent move being that Cohen was coming in fresh. He had no knowledge. He brought in a baseball guy. And if you remember, they said Alderson said he was not going to be involved in a lot of things. And uh, and I thought, OK, that's smart. Bring in a young GM and, uh, uh, you know, let Alderson oversee it. He, he can't get in too much trouble. Then, of course, if you remember, they brought in a sexual harasser guy <laughs> as GM. And that's where the, the circus started, really, with that move. 
And then they and then they were they didn't bring uh, somebody in. They were slow in bringing in, and then they brought in Zach Scott, and he still got the acting GM tag, which tells me that they don't have a lot of faith in him or something. And I don't know if these deals were made by him or if they were made by Alderson. I would consider keeping him, being that he did come from outside the organization. But Alderson's got to go because I think he's putting too much pressure on everybody. And these are clearly the Javi Baez was an Alderson move. The Rich Hill was a scrap heap, Sandy, uh, uh, complete move, bringing in Rich. Now, Rich Hill hasn't pitched badly, um, but he wasn't the right pitcher for this team right now. And, And the thing that I don't understand is, they're so arrogant about everything. I mean, they they went to see Cole Hamels. Well, he didn't perform up to our expectations. You got nobody. You got, you know, you got Trevor Williams. He's Hembry. Who'd ever the hell heard of him? You're putting in these guys, but Cole Hamels didn't, didn't live up to what you thought. Or Jake Arietta. Well, you know, all right, these guys may not be succeeding anywhere right now. But I think my point is it's the attitude that they have about when they have these certain pitches and then they go get Rich Hill. I, I, I don't understand it. Len, you've got your hand raised, so I, I, I will I am I apologize. It's quite uh, all right, but I, I figure I better raise my hand because it's the only way I'm ever going to get to say anything. No, unless I, I do a carry back. All right. So here we go. You guys owe me time. So you might as well go, <laughs> go catch, ahead. go get a coffee, you know, <sighs> you know, uh, refresh your libations because <laughs> it's my turn. All right. First of all, Gary. Jeff. Barry. Beautiful rants. Gary, you were at your finest. Okay. But here's what I'm going to say. All right. First of all, a fish rots from the head down. Okay. I think you know where I'm going with that. Okay. You don't take a high end race car and then give it to a lousy driver. Okay. And then insanity is doing the same thing and yet expecting different results. The bottom line is you buy this team. Steve Cohen, Uncle Stevie, buys this team, spends a fortune, and he, he, he has somebody managing it that's never managed in the big leagues, okay? I know Jeff is fond of saying that he's got great pedigree. Yeah, well, you know, just because your father is Kirk Douglas doesn't mean you're going to be a great actor. Well, he ended up being a great actor. <laughs> but the point is this. Here's a better example there, Len. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the point. But no, it's it, seriously. He needs to what he needed to do was you're buying this team. He needed to spend the money and he needed to get someone of high quality. If it uh, Theo Epstein, break the bank, somebody, somebody not going to Sandy Alderson, who has been there, done that. We all said, oh, well, you know, his first time through, he didn't have the budget. Now he'll have the money. 
Okay. Rojas. I, I, they, they, the coaches, you, if you're going to put the money into the team, spend the money on your personnel, but Gary blowing up the team like that. Okay. You know what? We, this isn't, it, it, it's not going to happen. Okay. You know, it sounds great to say, get rid of this person, get rid of this, get rid of this. The game has changed. Okay. It has changed whether we like it or not. It has changed for writers to say, Oh, Marcus Stroman, what a great pitcher he's been. He's consistently giving us six strong innings of like two runs or fewer. Yeah, well, six runs, I mean, six innings in a game is great when you're playing these split double headers where the game is seven innings. <laughs> but when you're playing a nine inning game, six innings, oh, that's just, that's just great. I, I mean, the, the players of yesteryear would laugh at that. Six innings. But that is what the game has become. So we either we go with it or we don't. We want players to come here. Players aren't going to come here if the team is, is it, it, you know, if they blow up the team. However, however, you mentioned the Yankees. There is something to be said for an organization that keeps winning year after year. The Dodgers, they keep winning. Look at the Giants. The Giants are doing something right. So they've got to look at these organizations and they've got to do If it means copying them, then so be it. But again, they've got to get the leaders in here and they don't have them now. Rojas may one day be a great manager. Let him go. You know, minor leagues, get his get his chops. You know, um, uh, I was going to say go to a, you know, a, 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 a team that's not a big market team. It would still be in the majors, but. But let him let him go to the minors for a couple of years. He's, and done, he's done that, though. He's done. Well, that. OK, well, then he needs to do some more because whether he's the whether he's the problem or not, the team is out of control. Now, you can't have something like what happened yesterday where they where th- that they didn't ju- that didn't just happen where they decided to put thumbs down. And I don't want to make such a big deal out of it, but that was planned. They've been doing that. That's planned. There's too many. Yeah. These theatrics are ridiculous. They've got to stop it. Rojas should have put a stop to that. You're absolutely right there. He, he should have put a stop to that. He, well, knew he it didn't and, know what it meant. Well, he, well, that's, okay, that's, okay, well that's a problem, too. That's that's problem. The problem. He's the manager. Uh, he, that, I, he's I like, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what it meant. Well, you know what? You, then that's a problem. Right. I, well, I, you know what? Because the, the really biggest more. problem for the season is that they just can't hit. When, you know, when, when they just can't hit, I mean, they've grounded into one of the, uh, they, they're up there with the team grounding into double plays, but they also have the lowest on base percentage. What does that tell you? They can't get on, but when they get on, it's, it's a double play. It's That's double the problem. Play. And, you know, uh, speaking about the minor leagues, just as an example, Barry brought it up before the, the three teams the Cyclones and and Syracuse are in last place in their division, and the uh, 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 Rumble Ponies are in 
fifth out of 16 next to last or two slots up uh, in their division. And they're all below 500. The only team that's performing well is St. Lucie. Now, if you want to compare it to the, to another organizations, every one of the Yankees farm team is in first place in their division. Every one of them. And, and some of them, it's not even close. I mean, Hudson Valley has got an 11 and a half lead in, in the, uh, the high a over the second place team. What are they doing? You know, uh, and, and now they're winning because they went out, they got Rizzo and they got Gallup. They needed, they knew they needed, uh, see, this is the thing. They knew that they needed a left-handed hitter in their lineup to take advantage of that, the short fence. So they went out and they got Rizzo and Gallo. And we get Trevor Williams and Javi Baez because we don't even know what we need in our lineup. All right, I know, Barry, what you said about, about the shortstop, but they had Galorme. They had Villar, who've played it on a major league level, and Galorme was hitting three something at the time. And Villar has been consistent all year, at least getting big hits. He may not have the high, high average, but at least, and they were winning. You, you realize when all of these guys were hurt, the regulars, they were winning. Hey, 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 Barry, Len, you want to see me get, you want to see me get Gary going again? Gary, it's a game the other day. <laughs> On the scoreboard, when Dom Smith came up, he had, I think he had a couple of hits. Uh, but the statistic on there, he had hard hit balls, 95 miles oh per hour and God. long and higher. That was the oh statistic they put on the scoreboard. He had hard hit balls? Yeah, he had hard <laughs> hit balls. I hope it didn't hurt too much. But it, boom. That really matters. But this is what's wrong. They're worried about how hard they hit the ball. Who gives a shit? I don't care. <laughs> I seen a guy the other day. I can't even think of it. It was the Giants, I think. The guy hit a dribbler between everybody, and, and it was like the Keystone Cops. The third baseman running into the pitcher. The shortstop don't know what to do. Blah, blah, blah. He hit the ball 20 feet, and he, the run scored doesn't matter how hard you hit it it's where you hit it and uh, you know it is it, it, too much like i always say wow and you know and uh, i love gary cohen and keith and ron but you know they've got the they picked their little fake gary cohen loves lindor and Baez and and doesn't say like a bad word against them and and um um i just lost my train of thought here about them, <laughs> but uh, oh, oh, they would they, they talk about these. He hit that ball 450 feet. Well, so what? It's still a one run. It you know, he could hit it out of the stadium to New Jersey. Well, that would be a foul ball, but to <laughs> Long Island, it's right. still one run. It would be fair, right. You know, <laughs> one, one of you, one of you uh, guys mentioned uh, plate discipline, and I was just thinking about this on my bike ride today. And you know, between Juan Soto and, and Javi Baez, I pitch them both the same. Juan Soto, you can pitch balls outside. Guess what? He's not swinging. He has more walks than, than strikeouts. I mean, I mean, I I don't like his antics, but that's I mean, that's a a great disciplined hitter. He knows, he'll, he'll, he's not going to throw him a strike. He's not going to swing at it. He's still the same thing that Javi Baez 
strike one, strike two, strike two, you're out, gone, sit down. Mm-hmm. It's got to be better plate discipline. I got to see what you guys, you got know what, you have to have a plan going up there. You just can't swing at anything. You can't be a guest hitter. Oh, he does have a plan, he said. He says he has a plan. What's his plan? Well, it's not a good plan. That, that's for sure. And I just want to walk it back a little bit, if you guys don't mind. And I'll take us to the podcast, the last roundtable we did. And Gary, I think you and I basically thought that the Mets would be, oh, about an 86, 87 win team. And this was without even considering the incredible rash of injuries that the team has suffered, which has forced them to use over 60 players. I mean, that, that alone is absurd. But let's face it, their record is, what is it? They're four games under five, they're 63 and 67. And we didn't even acknowledge the possibility that the best pitcher in the world that we have, or that the Mets mm-hmm. have, I should say. I hate when the announcers say we, and I just did it, so shame on me. But anyway, DeGrom has had 15 starts, and the Mets are incredibly we're 11 and four in them. So if you take him out of the mix and you look at the Mets record for the projections that we had for them, you would think that their record with DeGrom would be a few games better, but it would basically put them on about an 87, 88 win pace, which should have put them in the hunt for the, for the postseason. What we didn't anticipate was that this year's version of the NL East would be similar to the NFC's 2020 season when the New York Giants actually went into the last game at 6-10 with a chance to make the playoffs. The NL East just just crashed and burned, and as was easy to predict because they have the resources to acquire players by dipping into their very fruitful farm system, the Braves were able to put together deals for Soler and uh, Duval and a, a couple of other guys. And, were, and they were able to replace Acuna and Ozuna. And now they're getting healthy again. There was really no reason not to think the Braves would win this division fairly easily and that the Mets being in first place for three months was pretty much fool's goal. And once the ground went down, realistically, could the Mets really have stayed in first place and competed with a team as good as the Braves that have all those resources to overcome the injuries that, that they did? I I don't think so. So if you look at the numbers, the way they got there is 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 ridiculous, as you guys have alluded to, the run, the not hitting with runners in scoring position, which is part of the Mets' history for the most of their 60 years. But for them to be 63 and 67 with DeGrom missing now will be more than half the season. Realistically, is a, I would think it's about where they should be. Well, Barry, you know, he, I, I, I look, I know, look, DeGrom is the best, obviously. But the Mets were in games without him. They were just losing, but they, they're losing one run games. They're like, I think they're 25 and 25 in one, one run games. They're just not getting that key hit. When it's, it's hitting. It's Jeff, you're right. Into, it's grounding into double play. Conforto, who had look, he had a big home run the other day. He's Ooh. saying what two twenty, and I, 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 I know every time he's going to be up. The, the left side of the infield is wide open. Grounded to second place, double play. 
It's 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 that's the problem. It's the hitting. They just can't get that that one hit that they need. I think. Oh, I, we can... I, okay, I agree about the, the hitting, but this is nothing new. And I believe on last year's round table around this time, or maybe it was the one after that, we all alluded to this. And there has to be a change in the approach. Otherwise, things aren't going to change at all. But like we've alluded to on this podcast and others, this this is a byproduct of the way baseball is, is, is played these days. Now, the Mets have taken this to epic proportions. I think I saw that their average was runners in scoring position in those games against the Dodgers and Giants. And maybe they could have at least gone five and eight or something instead of two and 11. But I believe it was 150. So, of course, that has nothing to do with DeGrom's absence, but you have to admit that him being out for now, it's going to be more than half the season is a big chunk of the team and has to cost them several victories. And not to mention the ripple effect it has on the rest of, of the pitching staff, because it seems like, although lately they've had a couple of games and I thought I was watching the Seaver Kuzman and Matlack when we actually saw Met starting pitches going into the seventh inning. I thought we were back in, in, in a time warp seeing that. But before that, the, the Mets starting pitcher was pretty much out of the game in the fifth or sixth inning every night. And the bullpen, which we'll say Rojas's use of it, leaves a bit to be desired, along with the analytics that I'm sure that play into it. But the bullpen is overtaxed. It's actually been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. But when it's when they're in the fifth, sixth inning every single night, there's, there's no way it's going to hold up. And, and you knew with Jay that you would get seven, eight quality innings out of him every fifth day. The score might be 0-0 zero, zero, or 1-1 one, one when he left the game. But this year, they were 11-4 and four in DeGrom's start. So to minimize him not being there, it's is, it is just silly. But, of course, them not being able to hit with runners in scoring position is uh, is equally the problem. Well, I'm going to take an unpopular stance here and, and actually defend Conforto uh, because, to me, they should sign this guy and not just let him walk. Um, just keep in mind that the, he had COVID-19 is he still suffering from some after effects of COVID-19? We don't know. Uh, he also was hurt and he missed a lot of time. That being said, he has been terrible this year. Awful. At least it hasn't affected his defense. <laughs> That's one good thing. Uh, he's played a decent right field. Um, and he's one of the more accurate arms in the outfield out there. That being said, I believe that he is so lost with analytics and all of this crap that that's what's screwing him up. When you, I watched him when he when he first signed with them and he went to Brooklyn, his balls were all over the field. He was hitting balls all over the place. He got up here. First year, he kind of did the same thing. Then I think they wanted him to pull more. Bam. There you go. 
They want they get want these guys to pull more to hit home runs, and it's their downfall. McNeil, the same thing. McNeil hit the ball all over the place. Then they started pulling the ball. And what is he doing now? Now he's struggling. You just got to let these guys hit. Do what you did to get to the mangers and just hit. And and I, I, I blame all of this modern technology, the videos, the analytics. Instead of just, look, if you want to know about and and analytics does have a, pl- a part, but it's it's gone to the extreme now. It's too far. You want to know about pitchers? Keep a book, like like uh, um, Rusty oh Staub, Rusty Staub, and Carlos, uh, the first baseman Delgado, Delgado, Delgado. Yeah, yeah. They kept a book. They didn't need what well, are they? So, I mean, you know, again, that article you brought out, Jeff, um, they don't take infield. They don't take outfield. They don't run the bases anymore. What do they do? If, if they're not studying a book, if they're getting a printout from some nerd in, in the upper deck there, you know, in the office area, what do they do? Is that what they study? Is that how they prepare for a game? God, you guys are raising your hands again. Are you afraid I'm going to talk for another 20 minutes? All Gary. right. I, I just got it. <laughs> Len was first, I think, Jeff. So, Len, you go ahead. Okay. So, I just, all this negativity, which is justly deserved, but it's bringing me down. So they did do the Mets did do something right. And maybe this is on your agenda. Maybe you're going to talk about it. But they did honor Jerry Kuzman by retiring his uniform. And I know that Jeff was at that game. Um, is Jeff the only one of us that was at that game? And I, I would love to hear about that ceremony and what it was like to be there. Is that all right? It, can, can a guest That's make fine. a special request? Yes, that that's absolutely fine. Thank Jeff, you. tell us about the Kuzman uh, uh, induction into the Mets Hall of Fame. Uh, well, it was a, a a great ceremony. I mean, I wanted to, a month ago they had a Hall of Fame ceremony for Ron Darling and, and El Garfonzo and, and and John Matlack, and I regretted not going to that. So I said to my wife, "Let's go to the Jerry Kuzman member retirement ceremony." So we went. It was a, you know, it was just a special time. Jerry Kuzman, you know, he, he, it was long overdue. I would say this. I'm a bit disappointed that the place wasn't more filled. And it was a late arriving crowd. I mean, it, it did get a decent crowd, but it was late arriving. But you can see the upper decks; they were not filled at all. And maybe it was still people still dealing with the uh, pandemic or whatever. But be that as it may, it was a beautiful ceremony. You had Ed Cranepool was there. Archamsky was there. They had uh, Wayne Garrett came back and Mike Piazza uh, was there, which was a very nice gesture. Uh, and and then they had had Jerry Kuzman's family. During the game, they had some video tributes from Johnny Bench, Ron Svoboda, and a couple other uh, people. It was just it was just a great ceremony and you know very enjoyable. And number thirty six is now up there in the rafters along with Tom Seaver, Mike Piazza, Gil Hodges. 
and Casey Stengel. So it was just it was just great. You know, can I get negative? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, I have my hand up, Gary. It's called Matt's misery. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, no, go well, ahead. Let me just let me just ask this one question. Two Hall of Fame ceremonies this year. Great. One was, I mean, one Hall of Fame guys going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, by the way, I noticed Piazza was there for both of these ceremonies, and he would be my choice to be president of baseball operations. But I, I digress. Um, where was Steve Cohen? I don't know. That's I mean, good question. He, you know, as as much as we hated the Wilpons, they were at those events. They were there, giving a little speech or something. Um, where was Steve Cohen? Barry, do you know? <laughs> well, I don't know where Steve Cohen was, and I agree with you 100%. As the owner of the team, he should have been at the Jerry Kuzman retirement ceremony. A absolutely. No, no question about it. I want to weigh in a little about Jerry Kuzman, who was one of my very favorite players in Mets history and is one of the greatest players in Mets history. And as far as the crowd being small, also, Jeff, you have to remember, it was pouring that day. We actually got caught in, in a quagmire. So maybe that held the crowd down a little bit. And it's just as easy to tape the ceremony as we did and watch it after we got home and get almost the same effect of it as if you were actually at, at the ballpark. Now, like I said, Kuzman is absolutely one of my favorite Mets players of all time. However, and I want to give a shout out to my friend Neil for mentioning this to me, because I completely forgot this, and this may not be the most popular thing to say, but Jerry Kuzman also did do six months' time for tax evasion. And I'm thinking that that may be part of the reason why it took so long for them to retire his number. Now, I have no problem retiring Kuzman's number. He is one of the five greatest Mets in history. Where I'm going with this is I think it is hypocritical, and I hope that Uncle Stevie does something about this because there are other Mets players who should have their numbers retiring. retiring. I'm sure David Wright will have the number five retired, but there is no excuse for Keith Hernandez, number 17, not to be up there. If you're putting in an ex-convict, you've got to put in Keith Hernandez, who also had his, his troubles with drugs and what have you, but there's no excuse for Hernandez not to be up there. I think Doc Gooden should be up there. Talk about having problems with the law. Gooden's number has to be up there. Hopefully, this will be rectified in the ensuing years. And as far as Mets players being in their whole thing, there are they have there are a couple of players short on on that as well. I cannot justify any reason for Howard Johnson not to be in the Mets Hall of Fame. He had three of the best seasons offensively in the team's history. And there are a couple of more, but 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 Hojo's got to be the next one in. Hey, Gary, wanna... I'm sorry. Could we, we look forward till until next season since this season's really in, in the uh, in the dumpster? Rapper? <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. Well, 
But and I'd like to get Len's opinion on this, Barry, and, and you too, Gary. Uh, there's a lot of uh, changes that's going to be made. I mean, you have Conforto's a free agent, Syndergaard's a free agent, Strowman's a free agent. Who who are you bringing back? Who are you keeping? What what changes are you going to make? Uh, you know, also the Grom could opt out after next year. I mean, you're talking a hundred million dollars for five guys. I mean, I know it's Stevie Cohen, but you know there, there is a limit. And and put and throw in the new collective bargain agreement, which I think is going to be a you know a, a uh, fecal show. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't want to use the S word. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? What what changes would you think you, think you make? Well, I agree with Gary. I have no problem giving Conforto, let's say, a short-term deal or a qualifying offer and giving him an opportunity to redeem himself. He's played hurt a lot this year. And like you said, his defense has been B-plus, possibly even an A. So I really have no problem. Yeah, t- talk to Scott Boris into that, though. But, well, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I you know. I know. Boys, I was, I'd like to see that. Will it happen? Probably not, but I can't imagine another team. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I can't imagine someone giving Conforto some redonkulous contract. And if they do, then he'll probably take it. But if I'm the Mets, there's no way I'm giving Conforto any more than say a two or three year deal. And if he doesn't take it, so be it. And you're right, Jeff. Uh, it is Steve Cohen. He has all more money than God. And at, at some point, you have to pick who you want to keep and, and who you don't. And I never thought I would say this because I was never a fan of this. I was against the Mets getting him. But I think you really have to consider giving Marcus Stroman a Zach Wheeler-type contract. He takes the ball every fifth day. He's the only Mets pitcher who's managed to get through the season, Mets starting pitcher, without going on the IL. And he gives you what is now considered a quality start pretty much every time out. And you uh, build your staff. You, you just have to hope and pray that DeGrom comes back in 2022 100%. And you just build your team around starting pitching, which is in the Mets history. And with a starting staff of DeGrom, Stroman, Walker, and hopefully a, health, a healthy Noah Syndergaard, you just – Go in and you, you and with a decent bullpen for, for once that you actually can compete with the with the rest of the teams in the you know with that. As far as the offense, obviously there's gonna be a new hitting coach. There has to be a new approach. Some of these at bats, you just you just see them. They take the first pitch strike right down the middle, then they're 0 and 2, they'll swing at a pitch three feet off the plate and strike out. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Or they'll ground into, like, I, was it, was that the game you were at, Jeff, when they get into five double plays? Yeah. <laughs> and you can just see it coming from, from miles away. You just know that that's going to happen. And on paper, the offense should be able to produce runs, but on paper, is just different from what we're seeing on the field. And it, I think... When you get past Alonso and I suppose Brandon Nimmo, who's actually had a pretty good season, any and anyone else of the guy, well, the door is untradeable, unfortunately, because of his contract. And I'll get to him in a minute. That 
any anyone else uh, should be available. They're nice guys, but nice guys seem to translate into what seems to be a country club atmosphere, which is another way of, of saying it's a lo- it's a losing atmosphere. But that the Mets do have a little bit to build on and hold on to whatever whatever top notch talent you have in the farm system going going for, forward. And as far as Lindor, let's just say if uh, he has a good second season, this will all be forgotten. Remember how Carlos Beltran's first season was? It was terrible. Not quite as bad as Lindor's, but it was pretty bad. But then he came back in 2006, and except for one awful bat at the end, which I still maintain he is unfairly criticized for, he had a great 2006 and turned out to be a top 10 or 15 all-time Mets player. And another thing that helped him, and the Mets don't have this, they need some veteran leadership on this team. If you remember early in that 2006 season when Beltran got off to a good start, he hit a clutch home run. The fans called for him to come out and do a curtain call. He wouldn't come out. And then he got a little nudge from Julio Franco who told him, this is ridiculous. Get your you-know-what out there and acknowledge the curtain. The Mets don't have that. A Julio Franco or a Juan Uribe type player on the roster. Alonzo could be a team leader, but I think it's going to take him time. He's only in his like third season. So at some point, it will probably fall on his shoulders to be the team leader. I know he's trying, but he's still a little young and needs a little more time in the majors to, to become that guy. But the Mets have to get some veteran leadership on that roster. Every team that won a championship or pennant or competed for one had veteran leadership. Even 1973, they had Willie Mays on the bench to, to guide them. 69, you had Ed Charles, Don Clendenin. And I think I covered all their champ. Well, 86, they had Carter and Hernandez, they were established stars. So the leader of the team doesn't have to be a star, could be a bench player or a part-time player, but the, the Mets desperately need some veteran leadership on that team. Len? As I said before, you start from the head down, you hire yourself a great GM, someone who can really run the team, the whole system. You have to do that. But let's say for the sake of this fantasy, I'm that GM that they hire. There are some things you do go back to basics with. Strung up the middle always is important. You need to be strung up the middle and pitching. You... Although when they put the shift on, the middle becomes (laughs) one side becomes the middle. But let's just say it's a regular field. The other thing that you have to that that you have to do is um, and I lost my train of thought, too. But I was saying you got to be strung up the middle. Oh, pitching. Yes, pitching. You the Mets. Are no longer well, even even when they had their Cy Young Award winner. Their incredible franchise, Tom Seaver. 
he wasn't the only pitcher on the team, as we see with Jerry Kuzman just having his number retired. Okay, the he he may have been the ace of the staff, but there were other players around him, other pitchers. We seem to rely on one guy, Degrom. You know, oh, Degrom's coming. Well, we'll we can win this one, or this is great. These guys get hurt. We've seen it time and time again. The pitchers now are not like they used to be, whether it's because they throw harder, they don't throw enough, they throw too much, whatever. We don't know. But the point is pitching. They've got to get more pitching. Marcus Stroman seems to like it here. He is having a very good season. I wasn't too thrilled that he opted out last season, but okay. He has done very well this season. He did get a very nice qualifying offer, but you try to sign him. You definitely do. Um, but the other thing is it, it we can't keep falling into that same routine of, well, if Syndergaard comes back or this Tommy John surgery, as we've seen before, we saw it with Wheeler. It didn't take Wheeler two seasons to come back. We see it with Syndergaard. I, all you kept hearing was, oh, when Syndergaard comes back mid-season, that's going to be a great, you know, shot in the arm there. We're going to have another pitcher on the staff. Again, Syndergaard, full season out, okay? I don't care if he comes back for a few weeks, okay? When we needed him, he's not there. He's coming back from this major Tommy John surgery. So we don't know what he's going to be. We need whatever pitching we could get. That doesn't mean Rich Hill at 41 years old. But we've got to up the middle and pitching. However it's available, whatever we can do, the GM, the pitching, and up the middle. And that's how we build the team. Okay. Are you ready? Jeff, I'm gonna. I, I've come over to your side of the the ledger, and I believe we go out and we hire Wally Backman. <laughs> we need a manager to kick ass on this team, and I go out and I get Chili Davis back for the hitting coach, and I get back and I get old man Phil Regan for the pitching coach, when maybe somebody a little bit younger, but I want Phil there. Look at the job he did, what was it, two years ago as the pitching coach when he came up. Oh, he's too old. He can't even walk out to the mountain. He was moving better than Baez is moving now. <laughs> Harry, I agree with you. And I never thought I'd say this, but I'd actually consider signing Stroman. However, you have to remember, he's a 500 pitcher at best, has been for his career, so he's not going to get the ground money not going to get Kershaw money, but I would try. I would make an effort to sign him. I also give a qualifying offer to Syndergaard and Conforto and hope that they take it and see. Don't forget the find if anything out of this season and his record doesn't reflect it, but the find of the year so far is Tyler McGill. We had never heard a word about this guy and this guy is play except for one one stinker of a game has really pitched well. 
and and not maybe two bad games, but he's pitched well and has not got any run support at all. Uh, and he can hit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and Peterson will be back next year, hopefully, and he'll he'll be healthy. And and then you've got the uh, Yamamoto coming back, I think, and all these guys. And don't forget, as far as the payroll, you've got Familia coming off the payroll. Uh, I don't think they'll resign him. I don't know. He's had a decent enough year, but I don't think he'll get the kind of money he they they offered him before. If they do, uh, Diaz, what do you do? Personally, I don't sign him. I let him go. Is he free I let him walk. I, I believe agent? he is. I think he is at the end of this year. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he's no. Good. I haven't heard that yet. Is he no. an arbitra- arbitration then? That's probably yeah. Let me weigh in on something, Gary, because you talked about the, or we all talked about the rotation. And I I omitted uh, Cookie Carrasco, who also was part of this Lindor so far disastrous deal. And Miguel Peterson, Yamamoto, whoever, Lou Casey, throw him in there, is part of what you need is pitching depth. Now, this year is the exception with this incredible rash of injuries, which I don't know if any team could. Well, maybe the Dodgers could, with could with withstand. But well, like you said, uh, uh, you just you just you just don't you just don't know. And as far as the bullpen, there's another name I want to throw out there, and another one of my favorite Mets is Seth Lugo. But this one day he pitches, and then he can't use him for two days or he pitches two days in a row, and you can't use him for four. Well, what's that all about? You you can't have one of your big guys in the bullpen with those restrictions on him. And if they're going to do that with Seth Lugo, they might as well stretch him out and try and get him as part of the starting rotation. Again, it's more depth. I mean, you still have Diaz. You still have Trevor May. You still have Luke. You still have a decent bullpen. Even without him, and I don't know when this happened. I, I must have been asleep at the wheel. But when did Drew Smith go on the IL? Uh, one, I, I don't know. It was like a blink. <laughs> yeah, he went on. He's got issues. Um, and don't forget, you, you probably got Gazelman coming back. I just looked up Diaz. He is he's arbitration eligible next year. He will be a free agent in 2023. So I don't know why they, uh, I thought I heard somebody say he was a free agent, but uh, apparently not anyway. um, So you make him an, uh, you make him an offer and arbitration and, you know, hopefully, but I I think you have to really consider moving. Uh, I know it's going to be unpopular, but I'm going to try to move Alonzo. At this point in time, he's at his peak. You probably can get the most for him. We need to rebuild the farm system. We need to bring in more talent. This year, heard again, them not signing the Raka. Uh, in another stupid, typical Mets move where they draft a guy that they know has some issues, but they draft him and then they don't sign him. Now, did they not sign him because he's a Scott Bart? We never got the full story of that. 
they offered him a contract. They didn't offer him a contract. They they found the results. Then I, it, it it's a mess. It's a mess. I know he's a Boros a Boris uh, 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 client, but still, they should have took. They took the chance to you wasted. It was a wasted pick. You can't waste number one picks like that. You can't just toss them aside. And does anybody wonder why did Chicago, if Chicago was so high on Javi Baez, why did they give him up for a, an injured number one pick that they don't know even if he's going to come back? I mean, that's curious too. Why Why did they just, you know, I now you see why. They knew he was a pain in the ass and they wanted to get rid of him. But, you know, that... Uh, but getting back to next year, I'm I'm gonna try to move Alonzo for draft picks, maybe an established minor uh, major leaguer, um, pitcher, maybe starter or reliever. Um, I'd also consider moving Dom Smith. Uh, another guy we didn't talk about, J.D. Davis, is another guy I try moving. I don't know what you get for either one of those guys at this particular point in time, but I'm I'm moving them for either draft picks or uh, prospects at this point in time. Um, I figure you can pick up a first baseman cheap. If not, you, you can move McCann there. McCann played first base, played pretty well, and he hit when he was playing first base. So at least you could play somebody there. Uh, you, we don't know what the Cano situation is going to be like either. He might be back. Um, you can play him at first base. So I, I'm covering myself that way. Um, I, is Pilar, Valar, what, what, what is their situation? Does anybody know? Are they coming back? Uh, or are they're they both free uh, on a one-year one year deal. They're both uh, free agents. Uh, well, it, says, it says it's a vet, so I'm not sure if a... Uh... If it's free agent or not, I think it, I think it's a one year deal. So I think they're uh, they're gone. Well, and Gary, I, I have to disagree with you vehemently about Alonzo. He's the only guy that's held up under all this, and you just don't find that kind of power in in, in too many places. If anything, you build the team around him. All the other guys, well, maybe not Nimmo, because he's the one guy in that lineup that actually will give you a quality at bat once in a while. But like you said, Davis Smith, McNeil, definitely. The Greg Jeffries 2.0. Those guys, if you can get, whether it's prospects or more winning type players or better defensive players, because none of those three guys are particularly good on defense, uh, you know, go for it. But Alonzo's going nowhere. And we all know that. Well, yeah, Barry's well, right. I know that Bar Barry's <laughs> right because then how are we going to win the home run derby every year? <laughs> yeah. That's right. He's the self-proclaimed best power hitter in baseball. That's right. But if you want to transform an organization, sometimes you've got to get rid of that player. That's going to bring in a load of talent. And, and he's the guy right now. He's, he's the biggest chip that they have. And other than DeGrom. Other, well, but the Grum is damaged goods now a little bit. You're not going to get as much for him if you try to move him because of this season. Whereas Alonzo, as you said, 
has had a fairly consistent year, though his strikeouts still annoy the hell out of him. I mean, this guy swinging at balls that are two feet off a home plate over his head. I mean, not as bad as Baez with the one that bounced like six feet in front of home plate, and he's swinging at the ball before it even got to home plate. But I mean, this shows how terrible they are with, with their approach to heading. They they have no approach. It's up there, and and it's not even you know see the ball, hit the ball. It's like let me I I I gotta check sometimes to see if they actually got their eyes open, because it looks like they're swinging with their eyes closed. And and if they hit it, oh hey, maybe that's why they don't run right away because they're surprised that they even hit the ball. So they want to watch it go because they, they can't believe I actually hit the ball, you know, like a little league that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, like 10 years old. And he gets to he makes contact for the first time and he stands there and watches it. That's what they remind me of. But that's what I, I, I mean. I'd consider bringing in a guy like Piazza as as a, a, an executive of some sort with the with, with an established baseball guy, maybe over him. Uh, Dombrowski's got a job, so he's not available, but maybe there's somebody, uh, maybe we bring back a Duquette, you know, <laughs> he probably wouldn't want, he's got a good cushy job. Why should he get, you know, involved? But, um, that's what I would do. I'd move those guys, uh, give qualifying offer. And as I said, you got to trade something to get something. And if you can get a haul of prospects to somebody for Alonzo, I'm making a deal in a heartbeat. Well, let me ask you this, Gary. The people that are in place in the front office right now, would you trust them to make the right deal, regardless of who you're giving up? No. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. That's two no's, because I, I got a no I, on that, too. Maybe three. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> And, you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing. You know, for years with these injuries and stuff, we've come down hard and made fun of the doctors and and the, <laughs> the physical, the trainers and everything like this. And then after reading this, the, the article that we saw that Jeff pointed out today, and if you remember, what was it, a couple of weeks ago that Zach Scott came out and was talking about the lack of players responsibility. And, and I thought back and I, I thought, you know what? Maybe that's where the problem lies. The problem isn't with the trainers or the doctors. I mean, they went to the, to the hospital for special surgery. People come from around the world to go there. So I, I, it, it was never the doctors. It was not the trainers. Ray, uh, uh, I keep saying Ray Romano, but it's not Ray Romano. <laughs> Ramirez. 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 He was well respected <laughs> around baseball, except in New York. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not the strength guys. It's not the the trainers. Don't blame them. I don't think the players. Uh, and this is where there's another split on this team. Uh, he says that the uh, they give them. The plans and the plans aren't always executed. Now, okay, whose job is it to make the plans get executed? Isn't it the coach's the job to look into it? 
and the manager's job to make sure that they're doing their work uh, or the general manager's job. So, and then the players claim that they execute the plan, but they're given with no results. Now, I don't know what that exactly means. Uh, is anybody not following up? There's a lot of gaps in this organization. This organization is is not in good shape. And I'm really surprised in that because Cohen has this reputation of being, you know, a, uh, a hard-ass businessman and his organization, everything's got to be so-so. And, and to have all of this nonsense go on. Uh, but I'm just apologizing now to the, to the doctors and physicians and the trainers that I made fun of all these years when I don't, I'm starting to think it really wasn't your fault. And before we go, can I just say that um, a get well quick and soon and a very quick recovery to Howie Rose, who's going to miss the rest of the season because he has some kind of medical issue, personal medical issues, undergoing surgery. Uh, personally, I don't think he looked very well at that uh, ceremony the other day. And uh, he's been he's been out a couple of times this year with this um, uh, with a certain illness, whatever it may be. Um, I don't want to speculate on what it could be, but uh, so Howie Rose uh, uh, get well soon. Um, does anybody have anything else they'd like to add? Get well, yeah, Howie. Let me just weigh in on the Zach Scott comment about the Mets not following. The process, and that's why I kind of ingest a little bit, held up this water bottle because part of what you said they yes. weren't doing was hydrating enough. <laughs> it just right. seems so obvious that you have to hydrate as a professional athlete, and with this with with this ridiculous summer heat, we're having heat indexes in the high nineties and sometime in triple digits. If if the Mets players are not <laughs> the protocol about getting themselves ready to play, then it's on them. And I couldn't believe that the pushback against that was more against Zach Scott than it was on the players. And it, it just it just validates the probability that the Mets clubhouse is either it's, it's split or it is kind of a country club atmosphere. And it means that that, that, that that has to stop, and, and Steve Cohen has, has to do something about it. Yeah. Well, uh, Barry, we're having a little trouble with your audio, but uh, we did hear most of that, and I, I couldn't agree more that uh, the hydration part, uh, and if you recall, he also said in that comment that uh, guys go out and maybe have a little um, – stay out a little too late and then don't come in and hydrate properly. So um, maybe there's a little of that going back though. It never affected the 86 team, but they were. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just say, uh, just, just hire Brian Cashman. We don't. Then. Yeah. Theo Epstein, make a call to him too. Well, there you go. Len, any, anybody you want to hire? Besides yourself? Theo, yeah, Jeff Cohen would be good. Um, but no, Theo Epstein, Brian Cashman, yeah, both of them. They could they could they could do it. Come on. You gotta get this. I'm sure there's somebody GM, you know, 
And Gary, I got no problem if they did for once give, give Wally Bachman a shot at this. Uh, it, yes, give Wally a shot. I agree. I think give. it's time. I I, I yes. think I think uh, 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 I think Uncle Stevie has to send the message. And what would be a better message than get the the probably the most rebellious guy out there right now, and <laughs> uh, you know uh, who's uh, the guy's wins where he goes, and and um, you know it doesn't mean he's going to win a world championship, but they'll be need prepared. A, a, they'll be prepared to play. That's right. They but the only OK, it. so the only problem with that, though, is as much as I would like a fiery manager like that, the flame doesn't last long and they usually wear out their welcome. And I think that if you're going to do, you know, have a have an organization that has stability, you need to get someone in that you plan on having for a long time and a manager like a Wally Backman, you can't you there is no way you could tell me that. The plan is to have him come in for a long time. Now, he may surprise you and he may be terrific and stay. But usually they wear out their welcome. But that's why you have to pick your staff carefully. You either have to put a guy in as a first base, third base or a bench coach that can learn possibly from uh, uh, a seasoned manager like it's it's almost like the reverse. If you're going to get a rookie manager, you want to usually try to get a good bench coach in that has experience. So he has somebody to lean on. You can work it the other way, too. You want to bring in young, good heads up coaches and maybe a guy like a Wally Backman that can that they can observe and watch and teach and learn, you know, teach them how to do certain things. I, you know, I, for the life of me, I don't understand. Edgardo Alfonso had a winning record in Brooklyn and then they got rid of him. I, I, I never understood that move. And the only thing I can, cause he was making the guys work. Like <laughs> that's the only reason I can think of. They got rid of him. And and they did some fundamentals. Jeff and I went to a game. Remember that night? We were surprised because we actually saw bunts. We actually saw guys trying to steal bases. Uh, and and they knew how to run the bases. I look at this guy, Blank Maya. Blank's a good name for him uh, because I don't know how he won at St. John's, but he's not getting it done in Brooklyn. And uh, I, I, I don't see much out of him, but... You know, Alfonso was terrific. I'd get him back in the organization, either if he doesn't want to be, um, you know, he, he may not want to go to Binghamton or Syracuse. You know, if he wants to stay at Brooklyn, let him manage Brooklyn then. Um, if not, maybe make him a first base coach or a third base coach, bring him up to the big club. Uh, you need to have these guys that have names that people can, uh, um, you know, uh, identify with. And, and um, I, I don't understand why they do that to the alumni sometimes that they just kind of toss them aside. And this is a new owner, but it's it's like the same circus with a different clowns. So, uh, you know, but with that, I think if nobody else has anything else. Okay, I think we're going to call it a, a, a day. Or an evening, and thank you guys so much for coming on, Barry. Thanks so much. 
My for, pleasure. Uh, coming on tonight and and uh, always talking, fun. Uh, uh, about this and Jeff, uh, thank you. Well, you know what? We're gonna have fun next year. It's gonna be a better year, and we'll have good times to talk about. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Uh, Len, I agree with Jeff. We gotta stay positive. Keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. <laughs> and, and wait a second. In case people don't know, Jeff and I are the co-hosts of an extremely popular show called Baseball and BBQ, where we talk about baseball, we talk about barbecue, and you just have got to tune in because if you don't like one show, you might like the next one, <laughs> right? So, Jeff, uh, right? You said it. Okay, I did. I said it all. And it is a terrific show. So, everybody, please join in and watch uh, that show. And that's going to wrap it up. So, uh, thank you all for uh, coming on tonight. And thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope if anybody uh, is out there that still watches the show, uh, or listens to it, uh, you'll enjoy it. And I'll be back again the next time with another edition of Mets Musings.